Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joelcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another weeknight, another evening, where we have the opportunity to reflect into the richness of our faith. Tonight, this night, Thursday night, I have Rob Sheridan joining me from St. John the Baptist Catholic Church. Rob, it is good to have you once again with me tonight. Great to be back and ready for action. Yeah, so Rob... Uh, as I had mentioned last week, and, and our listeners know, uh, we are hitting this apologetics topic with Dr. Scott Hahn's work, Reasons to Believe. And we're doing so because we have the tendency, Rob, to reduce apologetics to uh, just one area or one category or one topic. Um, what this book does is it it breaks open why the topic of apologetics. And what do I mean? Well, it's just not, you know, why as Catholics we believe in Mary or Pope, but ultimately why as Christians we believe in God. Okay, um, certainly we'll be talking about this the next few weeks. So it's it's a it's a much broader stroke, and, and we will go through um, each of his chapters and just kind of reflect upon some of the thought, and hopefully for our listeners out there, um, they will benefit. Uh, last week we talked about First Peter three fifteen and the importance of living in the virtue of hope, that when we live in the virtue of hope, Rob, people are going to be drawn to the life that has set itself apart from the world. You know, because the virtue of hope is is the virtue of desire to live for the kingdom of God, the confident assurance that something awaits us on the other side, you know, and to, to devote your whole life to this virtue and all of the moral virtues, faith, hope, and love, uh, these are the kinds of things that separate us from uh, the secular world. And certainly we are all, as we noted last week, we all fall short of the kingdom of God. But at the same time, we are all called to pick ourselves up and to really embrace these virtues. It was one priest who said, a saint is simply the person who gets up the second and third and fourth time, realizing that they are better than their worst. And if we can start there with our apologetics, we are well on our way. Well on our way. And yeah, when people ask us because they're drawn to the Christ that is living within us, we have to be ready. We have to be prepared to give a defense, to give an account for, again, the hope that is living within us. Right? And we do so in gentleness and reverence. You know, mindful that the word, I don't know if I talked about this last week, Rob, the word reverence in Latin means respect, honor, fear. Fear that is defined by the awe-like reverence. And in this virtue of reverence, ultimately God belongs in each and every moment, each and every encounter. We talked last week that if we were to sum up the new evangelization, 
It could be some duck I'm Scott Allred. I'm Ben Taney. I'm Jerry O'Leary. I'm Richard Hoyt Jr. I'm Trisha Coder. And I'm Christine McShane. And so, we are each day, one of our hosts will join with people from organizations throughout the greater Chico area. We want to let you know what's happening in Chico now. Join us. Star Wars and baseball. Chico now. Those are fun. And those can be fun. But it, but they move towards something greater, that which belongs to God. Oh, absolutely. And Joe, you were talking about living out that holiness. Look at Look at Pope Francis. I think Pope Francis is probably one of the greatest apologists of our day because he just he lives that faith and he speaks the truth. Yeah. And and look at how people are being drawn to him by his holiness. It, and it doesn't matter from the left or from the right, the sinner and the saint. They are all drawn to him because he is living out that faith. Yeah. And he is speaking the truth, but he does it with love and with reverence. Yeah. And with a smile. Oh, yeah. I love his smile. He's always smiling. It's great. And, and that's the joy. We talked a little bit about that last week, the importance of joy in all of this. And so, again, it's to highlight, Rob, that we can carry on about this point and, and that point in the world of apologetics. But if it doesn't start here, if it doesn't start, that is to say, in the humility of Christ, that great virtue which we are called to imitate, rooted in the moral virtues, then it will never take off. You know, all of these people, you mentioned Pope Francis, all of these people are, are asking new questions about the Catholic faith because of him. And as I noted last week, new questions lead to new beginnings. And so for that reason, we have to be equipped and pray for the grace and the desire, if we don't have it, to want to go deeper in the faith, to, to roll up the sleeves, and as a good priest friend of mine likes to say, work in the tall grass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't, don't invite someone to the feast if you don't know the menu. Yes, yes, amen, amen. And that's, that's the challenge that's, be, that's before us, before all of us, you, me, and the next person. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas once said, the more I come to know, the more I realize how little I know. What he's saying there, this this great philosopher, theologian, who knew a lot, is that we can never exhaust the mystery of God because God himself is the inexhaustible mystery. The the very word mystery in the Greek, mysterion, means inexhaustible reality. This This can be an intimidating thing, Rob, but it's an exciting thing. Because, again, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, it never stops. Keep on going. I actually, I find it to be very comforting. I don't want a God who, like, controls the whole universe and made everything. I don't want to be able to understand him fully because I'm not that smart. (laughs) I mean, and we're going to talk about faith and reason tonight, but our, our reason only goes so much. The smartest guy on earth still cannot figure out anything and everything. Yep. I, I don't I don't want my God to be on that level. I want him to be so far above me because otherwise I'm waiting for this stuff to fall apart at any time. Yeah, and, and he is and as you say that, Rob, he's there as creator, but the wonderful truth of Christianity, of course, is that in becoming man, he gives us this new encounter so that we might come to understand what he wants us to understand. 
And that's why we pray for the grace and the desire, because he says, come, follow me. The more we study about Jesus Christ and all things concerning the nature and life of of Christianity, the more we come to know, the more reasons we have to fall in love with Jesus Christ. And amen to that, Rob, because ultimately that's why we study. It does not define us. No, that's always love. But the discipline we are about here tonight and, and every Tuesday night is, is a discipline of love, a labor of love. And by the grace of God, go you and I, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 why you would, it's why you talk to your wife. You, you already know she loves you, but you want to you wanna plumb the depths of that relationship. You want to more fully understand her and allow it to grow. Do you just want to settle for God on the first date, or do you, do you want to get to know him better? Yeah. There's a wonderful story, a wonderful story that I'd like to share. And I, I want to share this story. <laughs> and we're going to get to pay the reason tonight. But uh, I, had, um, I was at a, uh, a gathering, and a couple that had been married for 75 years were the keynote speakers. That's so, awesome. Yeah, 75 years. And there were several thousand in this, in this gymnasium, and all of us wanted to know. Me in particular, I can yeah, testify <laughs> how they did it, you know. So I, I can see it like it happened last night, Rob. <sighs> Them coming up to the stage, very frail, old, in the early 90s. They've been married for 75 years. And the MC grabs the microphone and he asks them the question we all wanted to ask them how'd you do it and I remember the very frail woman grabs a a stool to kind of get up and reach the microphone and eating the microphone she says we're still getting to know each other we're still getting to know each other that's wonderful it's beautiful and, and, and it really highlights what you're talking about now, because this is what it's about. You never retire from religion. Religion is not a nine-to-five gig. It's 24-7, 365. When Paul says pray without ceasing, what he's saying is, yeah, pray without ceasing, pray constantly. And we define prayer, Rob, as conversation with God. Yeah, we can do this around the world. We can. And when it comes to the discipline of studying the faith, this is prayer. Because we're talking about God. And the deeper we go, the more reasons we want to know and serve God. And this is a wonderful truth. Doctrine is not about something, but someone. And what that married couple taught me that day is that, wow, I have the rest of my life to get to know our Lord. That's exciting. That's exciting. So with that, let us talk a little faith and reason. And we're going to have the opportunity, Rob, to talk about this subject matter, faith and reason, the really the, the, the uh, cross beams and girders of, of the Catholic intellectual tradition. We'll get it started this week, next week, and even some uh, the week after that. We're just getting the ball rolling with this. So the question that uh, Dr. Hahn poses, and I'm paraphrasing here, is, uh, is science and faith compatible? He poses the question because there are a lot of scientists, historians, politicians, 
and Rob Sadley, religious thinkers, that do not see the compatibility of science and faith. But of course, we know that that is an untruth, that they're not only compatible, they're to be integrated and seen as ultimately those two wings that as John Paul II spoke to it as a pope that allow us to contemplate truth and the full meaning of truth. Dr. Hahn gives us early on in his work a principle that for me is absolutely foundational, Rob, at least in my conversations with, uh, with people in the context of this subject matter, faith and reason. And the, the figure he goes to is Poliani. Now, Poliani is a, uh, he's a physical chemist, but he's also, he's a philosopher. And in the work that Dr. Hahn is, is reflecting about, Poliani is, is really dialoguing with, ultimately, the relationship with faith and reason. And he offers up some examples of maybe some of the shortcomings that come to the surface if we see that reason has nothing to do with faith or vice versa. So why don't you read a little bit there, Rob, and we'll reflect more on it. He observed that nearly all scientific knowledge proceeded from a tacit assumption and relied upon trust in a community of colleagues in regulations and in some authority. A scientist must put faith in the experimental data reported by other scientists and in the institutions that sponsored those scientists and in the standards by which those scientists received their credentials. A scientist must put faith in the authority of the journals that publish the results of various studies. And finally, but perhaps most fundamentally, a scientist must trust that empirically reality is indeed perceptible and measurable and that the laws of cause and effect will apply universally. No scientific endeavor can proceed if the experimenter subjects every phenom phenomenon to radical doubt, disqualifying his own observations as well as those of his peers. So what is he saying there? Well, let's take a step back. Trust is the most concrete act in virtue of faith. Right? So we cannot separate science from faith because trust, Rob, is intrinsic to science. It's innate to science, the practice of science, the, the discipline of science. I mean, and we, we can have a lot of fun with this because we trust in things every day. We're placing our whole lives in what we do every day and how we trust people and ultimately science. You know, if I'm going on a plane trip in a couple weeks. What am I doing? I'm getting on the plane. And by getting on the plane, what am I doing? I'm trusting the science and the engineering and the pilot. I'm, I'm placing a whole lot of trust there, right? What we are made to see is that science is caught up in what defines faith. Now, yes, we're not quite talking about faithfulness yet. We're just generally looking at trust. But it is important to note that when you talk about faith and faithfulness, you're talking about something that is caught up in the very thing science is, trust. 
You know, the Catechism makes the point that, you know, there's five principles to faith. The second is that it is an act, and that act is trust. And we, we cannot deny that. And of course, Poliani has the authority to talk about this because he's a great scientist. You know, Rob, <laughs> it's interesting as we talk about scientists and we talk about the compatibility between uh, reason, science, and faith. Well, all we have to do is to go into history. I've been speaking with, uh, I've had John O'Hara on with me the last few weeks, and we've been talking about the stuff of history. And it is really important, Rob, to know the stuff of history on this topic. What do I mean? Well, how many of you out there knew that Copernicus was an astronomer? Well, I did. That's easy. Did you know he's a priest? How about a figure like uh, Gregor Mendel? Well, yeah, he's the father of genetics. Did you know he was a monk? You see, a Louis Pasteur. Yeah, he's all about biology, Joe. I know that. What? He's yeah, a philosopher. Okay. Blaise Pascal. He's a lay apologist. What's the point? Science, essentially, is caught up in the quest to understand God. You don't remove science, but you put science in its proper place. Like Blessed John, uh, John Paul II talked about in his work, Faith and Reason, allowing faith and reason to dialogue with each other, that they need each other to understand the fullness of truth. Well, yeah, and you know, speaking of speaking of history, um, we look at how under Christianity the sciences grew because in the pagan world they were worshiping nature, they were worshiping the earth, they were worshiping the trees, they were worshiping different animals. So to to study, to dissect, to really get into that was was a blasphemy. But oh, now when God is the God of the whole universe and everything is his creation, now we can step in and study his creation. And that's why we saw the scientists, natural sciences, really starting to, to blossom out of, out of the monasteries of the Middle Ages and, and, and out into and through the Renaissance was because now all of a sudden we were liberated to study the earth rather than worship it. Yeah, amen to that, Rob. That's an excellent point. And it, it also highlights something else. We have to remember... Again, our history. The first universities were what? What purpose were they serving? Well, the first university, University of Paris, University of Bologna, Cambridge, Oxford. These were all seminaries, Rob. They studied medicine, law, and they saw philosophy and theology as the queen of sciences. They would also study rhetoric. You know, how to be an orator how to converse, how to dialogue, the stuff we're talking about right now, dialogue, dialogic, how to apply logic as the instrument to reason to better understand truth. This was all about why the university started. And medicine and law in particular were always studied within the context of pursuing the fullness of truth. Yes, there was a vocation there as a lawyer, as a doctor, but it was always seen Rob, in the context of faith. Yeah, absolutely. You're, if, you're, if you're studying for law, you're taking, back then you were taking part in God's divine justice. 
if you were studying the sciences, you were studying his creation. If you were if you were studying philosophy, you were studying how God thinks and trying to figure all these things out. Yeah, the wisdom and the wonder and the beauty of God. I mean, you would you would study truth, beauty, and goodness. You know, the transcendentals, it, truth, beauty, and goodness, and and how we might better. You know, Hopkins. It, um, Doctor Hahn talks about uh, Hopkins in this work. You know how really to study God is to really see how all of creation is charged with the grandeur and glory of God. Uh, this is what the university system was about. They were always seeing that is faith and reason in light of each other. And this was an exciting discipline. This was an exciting thing. People would travel from afar, from very far to, to study at these universities. Now they were operating the seminaries. But to just be in the presence of these teachers and, and their pupils was to be more human. You know, today we define uh, our technological advances uh, as what it means to be human, right? But that just speaks to our functionality. What those universities studied essentially is that it is far more to be human in how we love than it is to see what we can create autonomous or independent from the creator. So that's, that was their focus. And it was always something that was uh, life-giving, invigorating. Um, you know, we talk, Rob, about um, creation charged with the grandeur and glory of God, that great Hopkins quote. And I, I want to draw out a point right now and to reflect upon a little bit. And that's why we miss the boat in some of our conversations that we have. What do I mean? There is a tendency to get so locked in to the minutia of, of the discussion that we forget to draw back. And if it's about creation, if it's about the universe, oh, there's plenty to get caught up in. The problem is we don't take a step back or two steps or three steps or 20 steps to appreciate that creation itself coming from the finger of God is wonderful and beautiful. And I'm never going to see that for what it is if I'm so locked into one thing. You know, the analogy that is given is, you know, we look at a, a picture of art and we get super close to that picture of art. All you see are faint colors. The more you draw back, the more you see the picture for what it is. And moreover, Rob, the more you see the intention of the artist, you see. Maybe the artist probably didn't want you to be that close to look at what kind of canvas he or she was using. Right? That's what we get stuck doing sometimes. Oh, as, a, as an artist, I can definitely speak to this, Joe. Um, and from the other side as well, um, in, in crafting uh, uh, an illustration or, or a design, I can become too focused on on the minutia of the design and 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 not be in service of the whole picture. And as apologists, we can do that too, as we can get so focused on on one single argument. My uh, my wife and I, when we first started dating, she was she was coming from the the evangelical tradition, um, and and we got in our first argument was over confession. And I, w I was just hammering John John 20 home to her. Mm -hmm. and, well, that's great, but I don't believe it. And I lost yeah. the whole picture because I got focused on just this this one part rather than 
speaking to the whole grandeur of salvation and God's mercy, I was just focused on this one little part, and it almost ruined the entire picture. Yeah, and we can talk about this every week, because ultimately, Rob, what's going on there is the need, and I've been there, (laughs) I think we've all been there, (laughs) is the need to see that each person has their own history, their own sets of experiences, their own life, their own journey. So maybe what worked with someone else isn't going to work for this person, your wife. And we, we do have to present the bigger picture so as to begin to open them up to what Christ was all about or in the context of faith reason, you know, what uh, nature and creation is all about. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very important. Yeah, and we can, we'll, we'll, we'll just lose what's around us because we're so focused on ourselves. We're gazing into our own navels. Yes. <laughs> and and we're, we're almost like little children. I've got, gosh, I can't even keep track of how many kids I have anymore. <laughs> I've, got, I've got five kids, four living at home, and, and all, all of them, except the, the 12-year-old's starting to break out, but all of them are so self-involved that they don't see what's going on around them. So they're whacking into each other, whacking into me, bumping into the walls, just turning around because they're not aware of what's around them. And we can be like those little kids. Oh, yeah. You talk about this, Rob, and and the timing of it is funny because today uh, my two-year-old son knocked over uh, three glasses <laughs> throughout the whole day, and and I left at 545, so maybe more glasses have been knocked over, but uh, you can't get mad at him. You know, he's just doing his thing. He's riding his scooter in his house, and, and you know, he's, he's on his little truck, and he's doing his thing. And he, But that's just who they are as kids. Yet, that's what we could fall into, you know? And so ultimately, yeah, it is about, again, drawing back and really uh, capturing, Rob, the glory of God in all of his creation, but also doing so by applying the gift that God has given to us, uh, the intellect. And so what we're going to really start doing next week is looking more closely at some of the, I won't call them proofs, but invitations that are out there. Dr. Han goes through some of them. And just maybe more collectively, how we need to be thinking as we reflect into these invitations. So we're going to really uh, underscore in these next few weeks the principle of logic as the, as the instrument to reason and how it, how it helps us better understand God's creation. And ultimately, Rob, how it leads to a deeper faith. Mindful, Rob, mindful that, you know, we do not walk by sight, but by faith. So for everything that we're talking about, we must remember that faith itself is not caught up in what we see, but what we do not see. And this is, this is the first principle of faith, that it is a gift given to us by God. And we would be well served if we never lost sight of that fact. So... With that, let us wrap up in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.
You've been listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at j-h-o-l-l-j-m-j at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.